You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 416 of the Battery Power Podcast. I'm your co-host, Scott Coleman. Brad is off this weekend, so I am joined by a special guest, Chris Willis, our fearless leader at BatteryPower.com. You also know his voice as the co-host of the podcast to be named later here on this very podcast network. Uh, Chris, we are officially in the last couple of weeks here the season. We're in the home stretch. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm ready for the postseason. You know, I feel like we're just kind of checking the days off now. But, you know, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, I'm excited for some October baseball. Yeah, me too. I feel like you, you mentioned, I, I think at this point, I am kind of just crossing days off the calendar, hoping that everybody is healthy. And, of course, you want to win the games. I mean, overall, the Braves went 3-3 three and three this week, so it was not a remarkable week by any means especially against two pretty pretty bad clubs in the National League Central. But they made it through relatively healthy, other than this nasty stomach bug that's been going through the clubhouse. Um, and, you know, with three weeks to go now, we're going to talk about the division or the uh, division race and the, the magic number and all of that. But ultimately, despite a 500-week overall, it, it felt like a good week for the Braves. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they come off that, um, you know, that long Western trip that, uh, you know, they, it was so impressive the way they, you know, they went into Los Angeles, took three out of four from the Dodgers. You know, I don't want to call it a letdown a little bit, uh, you know, uh, against the Cardinals. They dropped the first two games of that series. But, you know, at the same time, you know, you, you're, when you've been out on that West Coast for so long with the time difference and everything, I do think it takes a little bit of time to adjust and then, you know, it just, I don't know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't quite the atmosphere that we're used to at Tris Park for the first cu- those first couple of games. But, uh, you know, I thought it, I thought they played well enough this week. And, uh, you know, it was good to see them good to see them end that homestand with a three and three record. Yeah. And we finally broke this winless Sunday streak. Uh, Brad and I were joking about it last weekend, but you know, it had been like almost a month and a half since the Braves had last won on a Sunday of course, won the game on Sunday afternoon against the Pirates to win the series, which is good. Get some vibes rolling into what's going to be a pretty important week coming up against the Phillies and the Marlins. Um, a bit of housekeeping. The Atlanta Braves officially, we can now say, are in the playoffs for the sixth year in a row, which, man, time flies. Doesn't it feel like just yesterday we were watching that 2018 team go on that magical run? So six years in a row, the Braves are officially in the playoffs. They, at very worst, would be the third wildcard team. And the division magic number in the East is down to six. Not only did the Braves win on Sunday, but the Phillies also lost. 
So going into these four games upcoming in Philadelphia, uh, the magic number is six. As a reminder, that is a combination of either Braves wins or Phillies losses. So with three weeks to go, I know we are a superstitious bunch and no one wants to call it over until it's over. But with six games to go on the magic number, it's, uh, you know, they want to start putting the champagne on ice. I don't think anybody will blame them. The way this season's gone, I mean, I think it was, I think it's been a little refreshing. I mean, it's been, it's been a lot of fun to watch them go out here and put these numbers up. But after the last two seasons of us having to kind of sweat it out all the way to the end, um, you know, I think it's going to be a little, a, a little nice to uh, just have some, uh, a few weeks uh, of games for them to just kind of set everything up like they want it for the postseason. I mean, they're definitely going to have that opportunity now. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Last year, man, that was so stressful every single night. I mean, you, you were there covering the team, and it really did feel like a must win if they wanted to take the division. So that's, that's well said. Um, you know, not a ton of news for the Braves this week. I mentioned this stomach bug that's been making its way through the clubhouse that's gotten a couple of guys, but you know, really no, I mean, no, no transaction news. The Braves are playing the carousel with the pitching staff and kind of pushing guys back whenever they can and rotating arms in the bullpen. Uh, you know, we'll go back to earlier in the week, both the Tuesday and Wednesday games against the Cardinals were almost copy paste results. Tuesday night, they lost 10 to 6. Wednesday, 11 to 6. The lineup was good both nights, uh, but the starting pitching was not. Michael Soroka was injured and not sharp. And then Spencer Strider, as we have seen a couple of times this year, just didn't have it and got hit around early and seemed to lose confidence a little bit. Uh, you know, Chris, I wanted to get your take on the Michael Soroka situation. He, of course, uh, had some tingling in his fingers. The good news is there's no structural damage, but he was placed on the injured list and is done for the year. And, and there's just, I think, a lot of questions around Mike and his long-term outlook and really not a lot of answers at this point. It was unfortunate to see. I mean, you know, you just – you pull – you have to pull for this guy just to, from everything that he's been through the last uh, last few years. Um, you know, it's unfortunately, you know, it just didn't, it hasn't worked out at the major league level. I thought it was good that he was able to pretty much put a full season in at Gwinnett, you know, so at least he got that out of the way before this injury, uh, bit him. But, you know, at the same time, tingling in your fingers is never a good thing. I know they called it a forearm, uh, forearm inflammation. Hopefully that's all it is because the first thing I think about when I hear, you know, numbness in, in a hand is, is thoracic outlet syndrome. And I mean, that could be. You know, as there's varying degrees of that that could be bad, but um, you know, it sounds like you know he may avoid surgery at least for now, and uh, I'm sure they're still running tests and everything on him. But uh, you know, it was good to hear no structural damage. It wasn't the elbow, uh, but you know, I mean, you know, he already had a, a little bit of a cloudy future, um, you know, going into next season, and I think this just adds to the uncertainty. Yeah, it really sucks, man. It just that poor kid. Think about everything that Michael has gone through over the last three or four years since the Achilles. I mean, it's just been one thing after another. I will say, I think if we're looking for a silver lining on his 2023 is the stuff is still pretty good. You know, if he was out there chucking 88 mile an hour fastballs, I might be more inclined to say, you know, it, it's probably just time to move on and, and forget about it. But the uh, stuff has been pretty sharp. The command has not come back but I think that's probably to be expected whenever you had the lengthy layoff that, that Soroka had to deal with. 
So I don't know. It, it's a fascinating decision. And as you noted, Chris, I think it's it's obviously good news that there's nothing structurally wrong in his arm. And hopefully he has an opportunity now over the next four or five months to rest and rehab. And we'll see what his long-term outlook is with the Braves and his contract situation. Uh, let me get the the very official prediction out of you, Chris, here on September 10th of recording is Michael Soroka back with the organization in 2024. I talked about this in the mailbag earlier this week. And I mean, I kind of feel like the way how much we know they value their depth and their options. I mean, this is a team that's strung along Yanni Chirinos, you know, just because they've got to, they control his, uh, him for next, uh, next spring as well. You know, he can come spring training. So I think Soroka's still in that, in that camp. You know, they can extend him a, a, a tender and it's non-guaranteed. But, you know, the problem is, is he's just got, he's he's out of options. He'll be out of options uh, again, um, you know, next year. So, you know, it's going to be a situation where he goes to spring. He's got to, he's got to make the roster. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of things um, left, a lot of questions that haven't been answered yet, you know. But, I mean, if everybody returns, you know, it's going to be hard to fit him in there as a starter, but you never know what's going to happen. So, um, you know, I think he, I think he's in spring next year and then, you know, we'll just have to see what, what happens after that. Yeah. And let's all hope for the best, hopefully in a healthy off season, give Mike the opportunity to kind of do his thing and build up his strength and we're all pulling for him. But yeah, Tuesday night was definitely a real bummer. Um, after the two losses on Tuesday and Wednesday, the Braves did pick up a win on Thursday night. Max Freed was pretty good. He worked six innings, 103 pitches, which is a good sign. Was not super sharp, especially coming off that tremendous start against the Dodgers the, par- the prior weekend. Um, but six innings, six hits, three runs, a couple of walks, four strikeouts. And the Braves uh, really came, as the offense has done throughout the, the week, really, the offense was quite good. Ronald Acuna Jr. hit 33 and 34 of the season off of Adam Wainwright. Good on Adam Wainwright for going out there. I think there's probably some veterans who would have uh, phoned it in by now, given the season he's had. And then Matt Olson also homered for the fourth game in a row, which has really been good to see, especially the way that he had been slumping for a couple of weeks. He had a home run on Sunday against L.A. and then homered in all three games against St. Louis. So really, really good to have Olsen back and mashing because he's coming up on the franchise record for home runs here pretty soon. Yeah, that was a, I thought that was a good bounce back game. And, um, you know, Max Fried was admittedly said, you know, he didn't, he wasn't completely locked in, didn't have quite his best stuff, you know, of what we're, what uh, nearly what we saw in Los Angeles, but, you know, he had a rough second in and gave up all the, all three of those runs. And then, you know, was still able to get six innings out of it. I think he was up over 50 pitches too after the second inning. So, you know, and I think, you know, we, we were talking about Strider a little bit, and I think that's what he's got to do, uh, learn how to do, you know, to get to that very next level is uh, to be able to go out there when you don't have your best stuff the way Max did, you know, and be able to give innings. And then, you know, Ronald, Ronald, I think he hit the first pitch he saw from uh, Wainwright out to start the game, and then that second home run he hit off a curveball that I don't even think was a strike. I still don't know how he how he hit that and squared it up the way he did, but – you know, just more of the same from him. You just, uh, you know, he he does something to surprise you. It seems like just about every day, and then like as you pointed out, Olson got Olson's gotten hot uh, again too. And I mean, this offense is just scary good when Ronald and and Matt are both hitting the ball the way they have. 
Yeah, so good offensive showing. You, you, of course, do not want to get swept by St. Louis, especially in your own park. So Braves take one out of three. Uh, Chris, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the Pirates series and then do some look ahead to a very important upcoming week of games in the East. So we'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Chris. uh, Friday night, I was really impressed with Bryce Elder facing the Pirates. Uh, The Braves won 8-2, and it was one of the best starts of the year for Elder. Seven innings, nine strikeouts and work seven innings with only 95 pitches. Uh, you were in attendance on Friday night for, for Elder. Um, you know, Chris, what was your takeaway from that and, and just any other thoughts on the game? I mean, he looked like he did at the beginning of the season, you know. I mean, he's been so big, uh, you know, for this for this team this year with just the injuries they had to Freed and Kyle Wright. I, I think it gets glossed over. I mean, you know, we, we can – we can look at the numbers and we can look at the peripherals and we knew, you know, he was, he was carrying an ERA that was about a run uh, lower than his FIP. You know, we knew some regression was coming and we saw that I think coming out of the all-star break and all. And I mean, he's, he's piled up a lot of innings, but he seems like he, to me, he's, uh, you know, he's kind of reestablished himself over the last week or so and, and has pitched really well. And, you know, I mean, it's just uh, you got to remember. I mean, it's it's fun to think back, but I mean, he was Gwinnett's opening day starter. I mean, he was sent to minor league camp the same day Ian Anderson was. You know, and for for him to come out of nowhere and put up the kind of season that he has um, here, I mean, you know, it's just it's just amazing, and uh, you know, it's just a testament to kind of the way the you know the Braves player development is because I mean, you know, he's a twenty twenty draft pick, and I mean, he's already. You know, he's already in the majors, was was in the majors last year and just made a – has had a heck of a, uh, you know, just a heck of a impact on this season. Yeah, he really has. And uh, just you can't say enough about Bryce Elder. And when we look back on this season, and hopefully there's a lot of memories along the way and down the road, but when we look back on this season, when you want to talk about unsung or unexpected MVPs, I am not sure there's anyone higher on the list than Bryce Elder – you know the other the other player who might honestly factor into that as well is is Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario had a home run on Friday night. It was his twenty first of the season. I think in my mind, I have kind of underrated what Eddie has done. Uh, you know he's he's having a really nice year, his best full season offensively since twenty eighteen. And going back to Memorial Day, a 136 WRC plus, which is phenomenal. He, of course, had the eye issues last year, just never really found his groove after missing all the time early. But despite a fairly slow start, Eddie has been tremendous for about four months now and really just putting together a great year. Yeah, I mean, not bad for, you know, what you would deem probably the worst hitter in the lineup or the second worst, depending on where you rate Orlando Arcia. I mean, 
that just speaks to how crazy this lineup is. And I think it's easy for Rosario to kind of get lost in in the in the mix. You know, I mean, you just don't talk about him that much. But as you said, I mean, he's had a perfectly fine season out there in left field. I mean, you know, obviously he scares us to death sometimes defensively. But you know, he has that penchant for uh, coming up with big hits, big catches. Had one of those in this um, in that Cardinals uh, Cardinals game, I believe. Nice sliding catch out there. It seems like he he comes up with those a lot, and sometimes messes up the more routine ones. But you know, I I I'll question whether he would be able to get back to his uh, productive self after last season. And you know, he's went out there and uh, delivered. And and I think in a lot of ways, I think. You know, that uh, Braves have a club option for him next year, I think, at $9 million. And at this point, I'm going to be surprised if he's not back. Yeah, just really a nice resurgent year for Eddie. Um, Ronald Acuna also homered on Friday night for his 35th of the year. Uh, the Braves also had an inning where they had six singles, which, you know, it was, it was fun. It was great to see this lineup has so much power in it. I at least wanted to bring attention. There, there's just not many opportunities in the modern game to have six singles in an inning. The Braves did it, which was a lot of fun. Uh, going into Saturday night, Chris, you were in attendance for the Andrew Jones number retirement at Truist. Uh, from afar, it looked like a tremendous day and a really nice ceremony for a, a player who was long overdue to be enshrined in, in Braves lore forever. Uh, just I, I wanted to get your take on the festivities and any other thoughts you had on the evening. It was a special day, uh, especially for me. I was I was you know happy to be there because Andrew was probably you know the first I guess real prospect that I kind of followed all the way through the minors. I mean, he wasn't there long. Obviously, he debuted when he was 19 years old. So you know to be there to see his uh, number retired. I mean, the only question I have is why it took so long for this to happen. I mean, he was he was. Uh, inducted into the team hall of fame i think in 2016 uh but you know it took took several more years to get the number retired i mean a lot of people's worn 25 since andrew andrew left um you know it never did really set well with me but it was great to see him kind of get the accolades that i thought he deserved you know he's seen some uh increased uh hall of fame support in the last few years i think he topped out at 58 percent last year so you know he's tracking on a on a uh, to be inducted at, at some point over the next couple of years. And then, you know, to see Chipper Jones, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz just speak so highly of him, you know, I thought that was well-deserved because, I mean, he, he made a lot of plays behind those, behind the big three, you know, back in the, back in the day. And I, I was talking to somebody else in the press box about it. And it was, it was almost like, you know, you didn't appreciate it at the time because he did it every single day. You know, he was, I mean, those catches became somehow became normal. And I think it took him leaving just to kind of remind everybody just how, you know, how special a, a defensive center fielder he was, you know. So it was, a, it was a great day for me. I enjoyed that. And, um, you know, I, I'm glad to see 25 finally hanging up there, you know, with the rest of the retired numbers. Yeah, really cool moment. Um, Chris, I didn't prepare you for this, but I wanted to get your take. What is the next number to be retired? In Atlanta, is it would Freddie Freeman possibly factor into that? Not knowing what the next five or six or seven years hold, um, you know, it, there were a handful of obvious candidates, and now they have all been retired. But I'm curious if you think 
Freddie has a possibility or or who else could be on that list? We're probably talking years down the road, of course. Yeah, I think I think Freddie's the next one. I think that's the logical logical uh, choice. I, I think I remember somebody asked me this this earlier this week, and you know that's. I mean, I think it's a slam dunk that Freddie's Freddie's number is going to get retired. I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of hurt, hurt feelings, you know, when he obviously when he ended up in Los Angeles, but it, you know, time heals everything, and I think when he's done playing. You know, he's going to be embraced again by Atlanta. And, uh, I mean, you know, a rookie, um, Hall of Fame level numbers, especially the last few years. And then, you know, he wrote it out uh, through that rebuild, you know, and a lot of players wouldn't have done that or would have asked out of that. And then won a World Series. I mean, you know, uh, I think it's as important as he is. I think number five's got to be the next number. Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad you said that. I saw a couple of folks saying, no, he doesn't deserve it. He wasn't here long enough, and I really did disagree with that. I think Freddie is more than deserving, and of course, we're, we're still talking probably a decade from now. Maybe we're still doing this podcast then, Chris, but uh, until then, uh, you know, other than the festivities with Andrew Jones, it, it was a weird game on Saturday night. The Braves called up Dylan Dodd for a spot start. Um, you know, Dodd was not great. He, he did not last. He only went four innings. The, the bench is cleared as well with some – inside pitches that Ronald Acuna wasn't thrilled about. Um, I mean, just kind of a wacky game that just all over the place ultimately was an eight to four loss. Um, yeah. I don't really have any other takes other than just, it was kind of an, a silly and odd game. Yeah, it was. And I mean, I was, you know, I thought Dylan Dodd looked pretty good. The first trip through the order, it kind of spiraled on him after that, you know, the Braves were in that game. Michael Tonkin came in and gave up some runs, which it seems like he never, you know, he never gives up runs and it, you know, it kind of got a little lopsided there, there at the end. Uh, you know, obviously there was a little bit of, uh, there was a little, it was a little chippy, a little chippy game. Uh, Brian Snicker got ejected, uh, was pretty animated on that ejection. Austin Riley got after, uh, well, the Acuna thing happened in the first inning, you know, uh, the inside pitches took exception, benches emptied, you know, wasn't anything too bad, but then Austin Riley got drilled later in that later in the game and and you know obviously that upset brian snicker because there was wasn't any warnings or or ejections and uh you know i thought it was another another situation where um you know he shows why the players love him so much because you know he was he was pretty hot about it he defended uh ronald after the game uh you know talked about you know he's he talked about how Ronald's shown a lot of restraint, you know, because he's been knocked down a lot, you know, and people, teams have to pitch him inside, and we know why. But, you know, um, after a while, you know, enough's enough. Now, I don't think the Pirates were really throwing at him. I just think uh, they didn't really – they were throwing hard, and they didn't really know where it's going, you know. And um, <laughs> But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you get tired of that stuff uh, over a long season. and. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, Ronald, uh, to his credit, after the game, he kind of downplayed it. You know, he said, heat of the moment, you know, emotions uh, get the best of everybody sometimes. And, you know, it didn't sound like it was any ill will. And we got through the rest of this series, you know, without incident. So, uh, but yeah, you know, it was exciting. And unfortunately, you know, they came up with, with a loss, you know, on Andrew Jones' uh, on, on his day. But, you know, Matt Olson hit another home run to get to 48, which is significant because, I mean, now he's only three away from Andrew's uh, team record of 51 that was set in 2005. So, um, 
you know, yeah, I agree with you. It was kind of one of them. I'm sitting around, I look up in the ninth, and I'm like, man, we're going to lose, you know, and it's just that's, that's yeah. kind of how that game went. Yeah, it's a testament to this team where, I mean, you expect to win just about every night. And it's not even from like a fan perspective, just in a like a betting perspective, like a, you know, what do the markets say? The Braves have been favored just about every night now for three or three, four months. And it really has been a lot of fun. Um, you mentioned Matt. That's one of the storylines we're going to watch. Matt Olson, 48 home runs. So three shy of Andrew Jones's team record with three weeks to go. I would sure think Matt will be there. Uh, he also has now a four home run lead over the field over Shohei Otani. He also has a five home run lead over Pete Alonzo for the major league lead. So it does seem like Matt is going to lead the league in home runs, which is great. Just really a, a tremendous, I don't want to even call it a bounce back season because he was perfectly fine last year. But I think we all felt that deep down Matt Olson had more than what he showed in his first year with the Braves. And man, it feels like every night he's, if not hitting a home run, driving in a couple of runs, hitting a double, and just he works the count really well too. He has cut down the strikeouts as the season has progressed. I mean, he has really just become the ultimate hitter in his second full year with the Braves. Yeah, he's been amazing. And I mean, like you said, he was perfectly good last year. Uh, he just had that prolonged slump, you know, after the All-Star break that kind of kind of skewed his numbers a little bit. But if you remember, right, I mean, he he did back up over the last week or two of the season and hit pretty well in the division series, if I if I remember correctly. I know he I know he homered in one of those games. So uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, when Braves got him from Oakland, we were thinking, you know, coming out of Oakland, uh, you know, he'd hit 39 home runs for them. But coming out of that ballpark into this one, you know, he could put up a monster season. And, you know, it didn't happen last year necessarily. But, I mean, he he's put it together this time. He's up over 120 RBIs now, well over 100 runs scored. 48 home runs. I mean, he's going to he's gonna hit 50 uh, easy. And, uh, you know, his 48th home run I thought was significant uh, because uh, that's the second most in franchise history, and he passed Hank Aaron and Eddie Matthews. And I really don't care what the list is, but, I mean, if you oh, yeah. if you pass Hank Aaron and Eddie Matthews on, on any list, uh, that just tells you how amazing that season's been. Yeah, pretty damn cool. Good for Matt. He has handled everything – perfectly since the trade despite all the uh, you know stuff that was out of his control and with Freddie and he has been a professional since day one and really enjoying a career best season which is saying something considering how good he was out in Oakland um, thankfully the Braves finally won on a Sunday afternoon bounced back nicely against the Pirates with a five to two win and a really nice spot start from Alan Winans uh, six in the third innings only six hits two runs, no walks, which is really impressive for a guy like him, and eight strikeouts, which is probably even more impressive. So I was I was impressed watching Winans throw the ball on Sunday, and uh, Chris, you were, I believe, there again today covering the game. Any other thoughts on, on Winans? Because he's shown he has given this team some big innings over the last month. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's had the one bad start against the Mets, but of course that came right uh, that was uh you know that came right after he had dominated the Mets I think a week or so before that but you know the Braves have taken the, uh, the opportunity this week to kind of start some young guys uh push some guys back uh we're going to talk a little bit more about the situation that's got them in a little bit now but um 
you know, and I think that's a great thing at this point, but to see him go six innings, uh, because they have had to lean on the bullpen, especially after last night, you know, with uh, Dodd going out after four uh, four innings, for Winans to give them six in the third, I thought that was huge. Um, you know, I was glad. The only problem was I think it was zero to zero in the sixth inning, you know, and, and they, uh, they fell behind right there. So I was glad to see the offense get going. And give him some uh, run support there, and uh, you know to finish that thing out with a with a series win. Yeah, really a, a nice performance from Winans. Uh, really, the the lineup was pretty quiet through the first five or six innings, and then the Braves broke through in the seventh with a four run inning, big hits from Ron Acuna and Matt Olson. And Chris Brad is not with us this weekend, but I want to make Brad proud. Uh, Ron Acuna Jr is now minus 700 on DraftKings for National League MVP. He has had a huge couple of weeks, really. seems almost like ever since all the talk was how great Mookie Betts was, Ronald has just hit a different level. Uh, So again, huge odds. He was around minus 100, minus 150 to win MVP in the sports books, but now a heavy favorite at 700 with three weeks to go. And, I mean, every time you just look at Ronald's numbers, there's like a new stat that jumps out every single time when I look him, you know, uh, when you look at the back of the baseball card, if you will, just having a remarkable season. And it seems like as long as he can stay healthy over these last three weeks, he is going to be the MVP of the NL. I agree with you. I mean, I was looking at his numbers earlier this week. I had no idea. He was this close to 200 hits. He's got 192 hits, I think. And that might have even been going into today. So he, he may be above that now. You know, I mean, and I had no idea. I mean, I should have because, you know, he's got a ton of plate appearances and he's hitting uh, over 330. But, you know, of all the numbers he's put up, I didn't even notice that one. You know, he's going to shatter Dale Murphy's uh, uh, modern-day record for runs scored. He's at 128 now, I think, and um, the record's 131. Uh, obviously, we know about the stolen bases. He needs, uh, let's see, what's he need? Eight more to tie Otis Nixon, um, you know, uh, at 72. Uh, somebody asked me earlier this week why uh, why he slowed down stealing bases, and I'm like, you don't have to steal them when you're trotting around them, you know, and he's finally gotten hot. He's finally <laughs> gotten right. hot hitting home runs, you know, so it's just unbelievable. I mean, he's putting together a season uh, of a lifetime. In, in a lot of ways, you know, I just, when you go through the numbers, it's just amazing. And, you know, and I think uh, the walks and the strikeouts might be the most amazing part of it because this was a guy that's always struck out 25% of the time. And, you know, his, his K rates down at 11.6%. Um, you know, he's got uh, 76 strikeouts, 74 walks. Um, there's a good chance, you know, there's a chance he could walk more than he strikes out this year. And I mean, just never, I would have never, you know, guessed that we'd see a season like this from him. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I think the equal strikeout and walk numbers might honestly be the most impressive thing about his season. And that's saying a lot for a guy who is hunting down 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases. And of course, that on itself is remarkable. But this guy, man, I mean, he hits for so much power, hits the ball so hard, and a one-to-one walk-to-strikeout ratio. I mean, if you include intentional walks, he has actually walked more than he has struck out in 2023. And even if you don't include the intentional walks, it's it's only one or two, I believe, is the spread. So 
really just a remarkable baseball player and having a great year. Um, Chris, if, if you had any other thoughts on the Pirates, we can certainly hit on that. But if not, there's a there's a week of important baseball games coming up. No, I think I think we've covered everything. Um, you know, as far as that, I, I I'll be honest, I've I've kind of been impressed with this Pirates team. This Pirates team's played the Braves tough in in the in the six game or seven games that they played each other. I thought, you know, everybody was focused coming out of the All Star break and when they split that four game series, everybody was focused on the Braves kind of struggling and their starting pitching did. But I thought nobody credited the Pirates. You know, they've got a bunch of young kids that aren't scared and. um you know they're they're feisty and uh you know i think they're finally on the right track um but uh you know i mean this Braves team's just just so good and you i mean you saw it again this weekend yeah that's well said they are uh, a pesky bunch is probably how i would describe the pirates um thankfully for their fans their fans deserve a winner and uh, they are not at the depths of the ocean as they have been the last few years um, Chris, we have a quick turnaround on Monday. The Braves have a four-game series with the Philadelphia Phillies, including a doubleheader on Monday. It is the first time the Braves and Phillies have met since June 20th through the 22nd, so uh, a couple of months, two and a half, almost three full months since these two teams have seen each other, and then they're actually going to play again next week at Truist. But four games in Philly, starting with a doubleheader on Monday, and no shortage of storylines going into this one. Yeah, you're right. I mean, um, the Braves, I, I, I talked about it a minute ago, but, you know, the Braves have decided to give uh, pitchers some extra rest over the last uh, last uh, week or so. And then, you know, I had planned, I think, to have Charlie Morton and Spencer Strider um, pitching the doubleheader Monday, but uh, Strider's got a stomach bug. I guess it's the same bug that Austin Riley had this week, and he's been pushed back, so – you know, there's an open question about who's going to start game two uh, Monday. Uh, maybe Kyle Wright even, uh, a bullpen game. A.J. smith Shaver was called up today, but he's also coming back from a shoulder injury. He threw 31 pitches in his last appearance. You know, he might be able to give them 50, I guess, if they needed it. Um, the right thing's interesting. He threw – he's made three rehab starts, but he still was at – I think it was at 50 pitches in his, his last outing. So, you know, if you're looking at him, he's probably not going to give you any more than 70. You'll be able to call up somebody, uh, an extra arm, you know, for the doubleheader. So, I mean, I'm not worried about him being able to cover it. Um, I wasn't too excited about the idea of Kyle Wright getting pushed into this. I really wanted him – I was really hoping, you know, he'd get four or five rehab outings. And you know, I mean, this is a this is a Phillies lineup that's loaded, and that's a ballpark that's uh you know can be tough on on pitchers. And uh, you know, it's not the ideal situation, but you know, here you are. You can't you can't control you can't control you know when somebody gets sick. And I mean, it just looks like the Braves have kind of exhausted all their um, options. So you know, I think we may yeah. we may actually yeah. see Kyle Wright. Uh, you know, maybe a week earlier than what we were expecting. Yeah, it really has been a carousel with the pitching staff these last couple of weeks. And it's probably a luxury when you're 14 games up in the division, you can afford to do it. Uh, so Monday, doubleheader, first game is at 105 Eastern, and then uh, the nightcap is at 640 Eastern. Uh, the Braves will not see Aaron Nola or Ranger Suarez in this series. I feel like every time the Braves face the Phillies, they always see Aaron Nola. Uh, so a nice uh, bit of a break there, and Suarez is really a fine left-handed starter as well. Uh, so on on Monday, they're going to see Taiwan Walker, who's had a, a fine season, 15-5, and 
0.15 ERA. And then Michael Lorenzen, who threw the no-hitter for the Phillies and then has been terrible ever since, which is very much a baseball thing. And then really the highlight of the series is going to be Tuesday night. Max Freed against Zach Wheeler, who are number one and number two in the National League. I'm sorry, uh, you're going to get Wheeler, who is number one in the National League in war, facing off with Freed. We know how good he has been. And then on Wednesday night, you get Spencer Strider, who is number two in the National League in war. Um, so the Braves have an opportunity, despite the illness bug that's running through the, the clubhouse right now, if they can win three out of these four games, they will win the East for the sixth season in a row. Yeah, and I mean that Tuesday night matchup—that's that's that's what you want to see. You know, obviously, um, you know we we already alluded. Think we're thankful that it's a there's a 15 game lead here, and we're not having to sweat out these last seven games against the Phillies. But you know, you do want to play well because there's a good chance you're going to see this team in the division series again. Um, you know, when the postseason gets here, uh, you know, I I, I joked today. I said the Phillies have spent a ton of money over the last year, a few years. Uh, but they no money was spent better than what Zach on Zach Wheeler. You know that dude, he doesn't get enough credit. He's been one of the best pitchers in the majors for the last few years. He's a workhorse for that team, and for a team that just seems like they're always trying to figure out how to uh, you know shore up that rotation or fill out that rotation. He's the one constant. You know it, it seems, and he's been tough on Atlanta too. I think he threw eight shutout innings in, at Truist Park earlier this year. And I mean, you just look at this Braves offense. That's not an easy thing to do. Uh, so you know, that's I'm really excited about that series. And we've seen Max Freed too. I mean, he rises to the occasion. You saw what, what he how he pitched out in Los Angeles. I expect him to be really good too. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a fun series. You know, neither team. I mean, if the Braves sweep or get swept, neither team's going to declare declare victory. You know, on that going into the postseason. But at the same time, you don't want to. You don't want to play bad uh, in in this, so I think you know these are going to be some um, fun, and you know that crowd's going to be nuts in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, no, it's well said. Should be a fun series, of course. Uh, yeah, you always, I mean, in my head, you want to split the doubleheader, and then if you can split Tuesday and Wednesday with Freed and Strider on the mound, that would be great. Again, the magic number is six, so three wins would wrap it up, and if not, of course, there's no panic and. I agree completely. Just don't get swept. I don't know if I could handle the takes if the Braves get swept in Philadelphia, even if the division lead would still be like 10 games. Uh, let's at least get one, if not two or three, and put a bow on this thing. After the Philly series, the Braves then head down to Miami. Uh, the Marlins are virtually tied for the final wildcard spot in the National League. There are four or five teams really battling for that last spot. So Miami has a lot to play for, and really, as they have been for years now, the starting pitching has been really good, but the bullpen has been suspect, especially lately, and the lineup has just not clicked the way they've wanted it to click. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I thought they were dead in the water a few weeks ago, and, you know, they were four, I think they'd fallen four games back, and then, uh, you know, kind of caught fire and uh, beat the Phillies today, but they're without Sandy Alcantara and Jorge Soler. Both of those guys are on the IL, and I'll be honest, I don't know if there's going to be enough time to get either of them back. So I kind of feel like their their playoff hopes are a little bit on uh, uh, life support at this point. Um, 
you know, I mean, the thing about the Marlins was the Marlins had a nice season. You know, I thought they were over overplaying their hand a little bit. You know, they were winning a ton of one-run games. The run differential was bad. But I thought, you know, kind of the defining point was when they were playing really well, came, you know, came uh, play, had to play the Braves, and the Braves just pretty much – uh, dominated them from the you know the first pitch of the first game and and they to me they've just kind of been they've kind of been slip sliding ever since so um, you know a lot of good pitching they have um, but the offense for whatever reason just hasn't uh, you know been able to catch up and and sustain anything but you know that could be a good that could be an interesting series too uh, I'm like you I mean you know we're looking at possibility of clinching this week depending on what happens in that Philly series Braves always play Miami well. Um, you know, um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that series. Jazz Chisholm's back, you know, and he's he's a lot of fun to watch too. So we'll just have to see how how they how that goes. But I mean, this wild card this wild card race is probably going to go down to the wire. Um, you know, and honestly, I mean, I think the Diamondbacks had played the Cubs pretty tough this week. Um, you know, just looking ahead at the postseason, that Phillies Cubs uh, best of three. That could be um, that could be really really good baseball, and um, you know, will be really interesting to see who can come out of that. Yeah, it, the, the National League Wild Card race has just turned into a a great 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 drama, especially since the the East and the West are virtually over with, and it seems like Milwaukee will hold on in the Central. Uh, so, it should be a lot of fun. And just a quick note here on the Marlins: you talked about how much they have dominated, uh, how much the Braves have dominated Miami. You know, the Marlins are 74 and 69 this season. And my quick math tells me the Braves are 11 and 1 against Miami this year. So you, you take out those losses against the Braves and you think about what Miami would be doing. I mean, they would be in first in the wild card race. And they just, I mean, the Braves just have their number. So hopefully, after a couple of games in Philly, the Braves continue to play well and, and perhaps pop some champagne down in South Beach. I, I'm pretty positive tell me if i'm wrong i'm pretty positive that's where they clinched the division last year is that right it seems like it that does seem like i hadn't even thought about that but i think i think that was right and yeah on like the second to last day if i remember right oh yeah yeah, definitely yeah yeah they they did it was the it was the uh yeah it was uh you you remember we were laughing about this earlier this week uh with mark bowman he wrote this and i didn't even really think about it um, you know, I felt secure going into that series. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, if you remember, pitched oh, the uh, pitched the uh, clinching game, and it was a close close game. The Marlins had Sandy Alcantara capable of starting the last day, and Max Fried was sick, so the Braves probably would have had to start Jackson Stevens, uh, which could have really really <laughs> wow. changed. I'm like I'm like you know I wasn't even sweating that series a whole lot. Uh, last yeah. year but maybe we all should have been you know so yeah. Yeah. yeah so it was uh you know that's pretty wild to think back at that uh at that last season uh down there but yeah if the Braves the Braves got a chance to clinch again in Miami which is which is uh pretty interesting yeah so should be a lot of fun a big week ahead against two division teams that are uh, firmly in the playoff mix I think Philly is pretty close to locked into the playoffs in the wild card role uh, and then we'll see if Miami can squeak it out Chris, that's all I really had for this week. Um, you know, if you have any other thoughts, please share them. And if not, please plug yourself and all the work you do for the site and anything else you want to share with the listeners. 
Oh, no, I just, I appreciate you uh, uh, getting on here with me tonight and uh, Brad Swap for swapping out with me uh, this week so uh, I can make my schedule work. But, uh, you know, we got a lot of great things going on at Battery Power, uh, the podcast network, um, kind of ramping up, getting ready to ramp up for the postseason. Hope it's going to be a, a long, uh, long postseason run and we'll, you know, we'll have coverage every single day. So, uh, you know, just keep checking out the site and, uh, you know, I, I appreciate everybody that, uh, takes the time to uh, comment and listen to these podcasts and, uh, you know, really looking forward to another postseason run. I will echo everything Chris just said again. Thank you everyone for the support really all year. It's been a ton of fun to do these podcasts and we are almost at the end of the road, which is exciting to think about. Uh, I am Scott Coleman. He is Chris Willis. We will be back next weekend. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, and we'll see everybody next time.